Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mentioned in the previous episode, um, the pink elephant in the room. The pink elephant is my father. Uh, Let me explain. So back in 2018, my dad had an episode where his blood sugar went went really high. He was hospitalized for almost two months. And um, he did not want to do the rehab um, once they got him back at a good place, got him back to a good place. He didn't want to do the rehabilitation. He didn't want to um, stay in the hospital any longer. And so my mom brought him home. She brought him home against medical advisement. She brought him home against my personal advisement. Um, It's important to know here the dynamic between my parents and a little bit about who they were. I actually want to go into more detail about that in the next podcast, just to kind of give a better frame to the story. So my mom was extremely devoted uh, to my father. My dad, um, very intelligent man, very accomplished man. Um, but he had a, a really bad attitude. You know, there's no other way to say that he was also very bitter and mean and honorary. And so my mother did yield to my father a lot, even when it wasn't the best thing to do. So imagine being home, taking care of a person full time who refuses to do any rehabilitation, refuses to walk and get anything highly demanding and very degrading. Talk about stress overload. So that's why we refer to him as the pink elephant in the room because once we once we weren't getting these firm diagnoses that would uh, point to what was going on with her body, we started assuming, hey, she's probably stressed out, you know, the whole family knew what situation she was in a couple of times. She tried to get assistance for my dad. He was a veteran, so his resources were plentiful, but he just did not want anybody but my mother in the home or helping him. He was even resistant to help from my brother and I. And so that put a lot of pressure on her. And because of the dynamics of the family, 
we didn't really push her in one direction or the other. We let her know that we did not approve. Uh, I remember sending her many texts, having many conversations with her about possibly just leaving for a week, um, allowing the VA um, caregivers to come in and just maybe taking some time to slow down and maybe she would start to feel better. But she did not want to leave him and he would not let her leave him. I do believe that if he had a said, Eula, I know you're tired. Go ahead and get somebody in here. Take a load off. She would have done it. But he refused to help and he didn't do it in a polite way if you catch my drift. So we started again, like I say, thinking maybe this had something to do with it. And so I had been grappling with it and grappling with it, trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. Because again, you could not go in and say, listen, you know, you're coming out of here. This man's stressing you out. You know, you just could not do that without putting her in an uncomfortable situation and really just blowing everything up. You know, they were married for, you know, since she was 19 years old, she's 67, 66, 67 at this point. You know, there's just the dynamic had been solidified. And even as her child, as their eldest child, I just, I had no real power in terms of um, changing that. And so I did what I could do. I started going over there three times a day, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, so that she didn't have to get up and prepare meals for him. My dad is, was diabetic, so he had to have meals to go along with his medication. But again, she was having all these symptoms. She could hardly use her hands. Um, she was extremely exhausted. You know, things are progressing. Uh, in addition to that, the neurologist who felt like it absolutely was not ALS, he had put her on a medicine called gabapentin. And when I tell you that medication zapped the little that she had left, she was barely making it up the hallway from the bedroom to the kitchen anyway. And so I would get up every morning. I'd text her and I said, if you can't get up, don't get up. I'm on my way. Sometimes she would say, no, 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 no. You, you just left here last night. And I would say, don't get up. I'm on my way. And I would bring him breakfast. I would come back at lunchtime. I would do a little cleaning. I would knock out any dishes that was there. I would keep the laundry in rotation. Uh, I remember my dad shouting up to the front. I know you're not in there doing dishes, you know, joking around. Um, but I mean, that's what I did. I did what I could do without causing a big fuss or a big upset. But then I get a call one night. Actually, I get two calls one night. Um, a call from each of my aunts, uh, my Aunt Beverly and my Aunt Evelyn. And my Aunt Evelyn called first and she said, I'm just extremely concerned because she did not like the way that my mother um, sound on the phone. Um, she had seen her, you know, in the past couple of weeks, she knew that she had been losing weight. She shared that information with her sister, my aunt Beverly. So then my aunt Beverly doubled down on it and she called me. And basically what she said to me was you, your mother has an appointment tomorrow. When you pick her up, do not take her back home. My mind was blown. And it's so interesting because although I had been grappling with how to get her out of that house, once my aunts met, took the authority and made that decision, because again, her peers, her sisters, that's different from her child. You know, once they took that authority and made that call, 
that night, although I a thousand percent agreed, I was so conflicted because I thought, man, now I'm about to pull a coup on my dad. I'm about to, you know, basically do this dishonest thing because the way it was set up was to say, you know, she's she's going to this appointment. She's sick. She's in the hospital. She can't come back home when she would actually be at my home. And I remember my aunt Evelyn said, can you do it? And I don't know why. It's like I can still hear her voice, the way she said it. I mean, the tone, all of it. And I said, yes, yes, I can do it. But talk about a sleepless night. Man, my nerves were so bad. And I remember even going over there that morning to pick her up for the appointment, knowing what I was about to do. I had called two of my best friends and I'm like, I, I can do this. I can do this. You know, they were supportive. They were encouraging me. Like I said, everybody knew the type of dynamic that my mom and dad had. And it, it just wasn't the healthiest. You know, I don't say that from a mean spirited place. I say it from a truthful place, you know. And so I remember um, I asked my aunt, I said, well, how do I really do this? And she said, well, you know, take her to the appointment. And then when the appointment is over, just tell her, look, I'm not going to take you back home. I'm going to bring you to my house because um, we've decided that you you really need to rest. You know, everybody's concern is just it, it's growing. It, the, the concern is increasing day by day. And so I get to her house and. I mean, I'm everything but literally trembling. And um, she gets in the car and she's and I just blurted out. I said, Mom, I said, listen, I'm I'm taking you to this appointment, but I'm not bringing you home. I mean, I just completely, you know, threw the whole plan. <laughs> you know, I just it just came out of nowhere. And she just looked at me and the ride was so quiet. And we were about five minutes out from her appointment. And she said, well, I like to go home and pack my own things. And I said, mom, you know, I can't do that because if I take you back in that house, you will not come back out. Dad will not let you come back out. I said, this is the way it has to be done. I said, and I really feel like this is the best thing for you. And so, you know, my mom is a very gentle, gentle, kind person. And so even if she was fuming, you know, she never let on at all. And it's so interesting um, because when we made it to the appointment and we pulled up, I was getting ready to park and she said, take me to the door. I think I'm going to need a wheelchair to get in. And I remember I gasped and I looked at her and I said, are you serious, Ma? And she said, yes. She said, my legs are so weak. And I wheeled her to the front. I got her out. Um, I put her in that wheelchair. I went and parked and I came back and I rolled her up to that appointment. And I remember thinking the whole time we were there, man, she was really, really, really pushing herself and maybe just hearing that she wasn't going to have to go back home into that caregiver role. It just took a load off of her instantly. Like she just did a woosah because it just, it was so confusing to me that she walked out of that house. Now, again, she was very weak and it was apparent. She didn't, she didn't walk swiftly out of the house, but I mean, she walked out, you know, nonetheless, and to have to roll her into that appointment. And it's such a marker in, you know, in this story, because 
she got in and she never really got out. And I learned later, um, once I got her home and got her settled, that she had really been pushing herself. I mean, holding on to the walls as she tried to move up and down the hallway. And I remember being furious. And I mean, furious with my father because he saw all of this. You know, he he knew, you know, that she was struggling and he he never said anything. He never alerted us, you know, in the way that her sisters did. And they don't even live with her. They made this alarm call. They rang the bell just off of, you know, just after conversating with her and hearing the weakness and the shortness of breath, you know, um, through the phone calls, you know, and I remember being so upset, like, how could you be so inconsiderate, so selfish? Um, but, you know, the deed was done. And, you know, to this day, I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for my aunts because they, we, I needed that. I needed them to take the authority. I can't explain to you how many days, nights, it was just running through my mind that I needed to do something. And I did not have the strength to, to you know, bulldoze my mom. And like I said, I even felt a way a bit about, you know, bamboozling my dad. Uh, but I knew something needed to be done and I didn't have the strength to do it. And in that phone call, my aunts, they like I say, they just took the reins. They took the authority and and I did it. And I brought her home you know, that day. And like I say, she got in, I wheeled her in there and essentially she never really got out of that wheelchair.